The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Good evening. I'd like to call to order the March 24th uh, Committee of a Whole, and if Ms. Spoke would please read the roll. Councilmember Wood? Here. Councilmember Garza? Councilmember Hussein? Councilmember Spatafort? Yo. Councilmember Spitzley? Here. Councilmember Jackson? <laughs> Councilmember Brown? Present. Councilmember Cost? Here. Six members present, you have a quorum. Thank you. Um, and just for the audience um, that is watching, both Councilmember um, Garza and Councilmember Hussein had asked for excused absence. Um, so um, with that, I will move to the minutes and I will go to Councilmember Spadafore. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, I would move the minutes from March 13th, 2023 and March 20, 2023, both Committee of the Whole meetings and one was the Committee of the Whole and the Board of Water and Light meeting. All right, we have the minutes before us. Are there any questions? Seeing no questions, we'll move. Uh, we'll, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes unanimously. This is an opportunity for public comment. Anyone who has public comment may come up to the dais and um, you will have three minutes. So if you would like to speak at this time, please come up to the dais and uh, state your name for the record and we will move forward. Elaine Fischoff, uh, a mem uh, citizen of Ward 2. And I'm here as uh, that, uh, resident of Ward 2 and a citizen committed to seeing that everyone from my neighborhood to the city of Lansing, to the federal government, recognize the necessity of taking greenhouse gas and environmental sustainability and justice into consideration. Uh, I'm here to speak about the LB, the minutes of the meeting with the Lansing Board of Water and Light. I don't know if anybody read them. They are, they don't make any sense. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Mr. Pepley stated that in conjunction with Agenda J and explained that an RFP was sent in 2022 to see what capacity of energy sources were out there. Uh, um, let's see. Um, uh, the, supposedly the Bell River plant, Bell is supposed to be spelled B-E-L-L-E, uh, is going to be converted from natural gas to coal. That makes absolutely no sense because the only thing that could possibly happen was coal to natural gas because it's coal right now. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed that the council approved those minutes. Um, these, they don't make any sense. They don't provide any concrete information. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really disappointing. That's all. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to come? Michael. You know, I don't miss an opportunity to talk. Um, I wanted to talk on agenda items H and I, and that's all. But uh, 
you guys are going to go into closed session. I just, I, I'm okay with transparency on my issue, my situation with the city as I'm named on here. I just want to give you guys kind of an understanding of what's going on. Uh, I believe back in October, sometime around November, possibly we put in a, uh, a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? can't find it. Anyways, we offered 1.25 to completely wipe away the whole situation, all of my legal matters that I have with the city of Lansing, uh, which was seemed to be uh, considered uh, for, for consideration anyways, but they wanted to pile everything in on top of it. That was eventually turned down, came back to us with, I believe, somewhere around $800,000, which was whether it wasn't really not enough. Um, but as it sits right now, so you all are going to get this information when you go in the room, uh, they have filed what's called post-trial motions on my case. Um, two of the motions that they filed are actually the same motion they filed in the trial before we got the jury verdict, and that they were denied by the same judge who was about to look at these now again. Uh, it's probably been five months now, I believe, four months since we, they filed those post-file motions. At this point right now, they owe $1 million in a verdict for the Elliott Larson Act, a Civil Rights Act that they violated, and then they owe, I think, about $250,000 in interest as it sits right now. Um, Again, that offer has been on the table for 1.25. Uh, but as it sits, also, our lawyer has also filed a motion for $500,000 in attorney fees. So as it is total, it's going to be somewhere around $1.75 million that's going to be owed should the spaghetti they threw at the wall not stick. And I'm just saying this because we should all matter. It all should all care about the aspects of our financial health, right, when we're dealing with all these lawsuits. I don't know what they told you over the last four years. I know the city pulse, uh, the mayor said that, you know, we're confident we're going to prevail in court. And I'm sure you guys heard that for four years. Do we not trust the judicial system? They came back with a guilty verdict. And here we are still BSing on this situation. Amanda O'Boyle sat in that courtroom for seven days, gave her best argument that sucked and lost. The jury came back with a straight up ver a, a guilty verdict on the city of Lansing for the Elliott Larson Act. I just don't know when this stops. How much more money are we going to spend on outside attorneys to clear up uh, the mayor's uh, misfortunes and, and, and his actions. Um, I'm all willing to settle this case. As I've said before, we have a workman's comp case that's going to be coming up and a wrongful termination that'll probably be up here in about two months, or excuse me, about two weeks now. Uh, so that's going to be more litigation outside attorneys. You have a chance for 1.25 to settle this thing now and save the city taxpayers money, me money. Um, and then also on top of that fact, uh, you know, it's just retribution. I mean, we're going to just keep fighting this thing until what point? Racism was a public health crisis back in 2020 in June. You all stated that. So when you go back in that room and they start telling you how they believe they can win on an appeal, look at the percentage of that. But they're going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars trying to do that. Um, an attorney will tell you that, you know, we'll fight it to the end because they're getting paid nonstop for that out of our pockets, out of all these people's pockets. So thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Good evening. Good evening. Mine is uh, pretty quick because um, I've got DNI and I kind of struggled back and forth which one to go with first because I is the closed session. Um, and that should be quite a closed session. There's a lot there. But um, I'll start with the mayor's annual report just simply because um, I just wonder what that is going to sound like. Um, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating, is it going to be mimicking of the you know state of the city that we just heard recently? Um, because what it should include and what any good annual report from anyone, especially the CEO of a city, should be accomplishments, goals, and, of course, challenges. 
I wonder how much time is going to be spent talking about the many challenges we face, not only last year, but you know, we'll go with last year because that's what this is about. Um, I think one of the major concepts of this report should focus on is the financial health of our city. Um, we just got a whole earful about the financial health of our city and pertinent to just one case. Um, you're going to be talking in closed session about a whole lot of others. And if we know, the mayor has a huge issue with transparency. I mean, that just cannot be understated. So I just wonder what the conversation sounds like when there is a complete full lack of transparency. And the number one reason why people avoid transparency is to avoid accountability. The problem is, is that would be one thing if it was him personally accountable, but it's not. It's our city. It's our taxpayer dollars over and over and over when you're being told one thing. The question that I would have, and of course I know you can't answer here, but ask yourselves is what is really preventing you from really knowing the full, true, accurate details of many of these cases, especially one in which a jury of their peers found guilty of creating a hostile work environment based on race? What is preventing you from knowing some of the details and the facts and the evidences in some of these cases when you keep getting sued for creating hostile work environments, when you keep get, getting sued for um, you know, violating the Elliott Larson Act? These are things that we should actually be thinking about and talking about before we just get force-fed a whole bunch of, pro of, of propaganda. Um, I think that when you do that, when he does that, it creates a very, very false sense of security that I don't think that we as a city can afford to have. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to address the council at this time? Seeing none, we'll move on into our agenda. Uh, the first item up on the agenda is the Ingham County Treasurer, Alan Fox. Alan, if you could please come to the table here. Yep, that'd be great. And once you get seated and you can pull that mic up to you and then um, make sure that the green light is um, on. You have to push down on the, on the little button in the front there. You'll see the green light come on. There okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, with that, we want to welcome uh, Mr. Fox. And um, I know he's talked to a number of council members and some of the information that he's been giving out about some of the plans that uh, uh, he and the land bank have, um, we felt was extremely important that we have a presentation that was made to the entire council as well as the public. So with that, we'd like to turn it over to you, Mr. Fox. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Councilwoman Wood, and, and, and thanks to the rest of the, uh, the council for the opportunity. We, Council Member Wood and I spoke privately, what, about two months, less than two months ago, yeah. and, and much has, uh, has changed since then. I want to commend uh, Council Member Cost for what he did to uh, bring to light uh, the issues with, uh, with red tagging in, in the first ward, which I can guarantee you from our data are repeated in, in the other three wards as well. We are facing uh, the, the issues now with, with a... Uh, a red tag department building where, where people have been forced to, to leave for good reason and finding that there is very little by way of good places to send people. And, and, and that's, a, uh, that, that's an issue that uh, the city faces, it's an issue that the county faces. Uh, 
historically, we, we've uh, we've tried very hard not to give landlords and and, uh, and owners of red tag property uh, much uh, much grace in enforcing uh, property tax foreclosures. Uh, and the line has always been in past years, well, if you if you can't keep this up, you need to find a better place to go that's less expensive, that's that better suits your needs. And and as we, I think, all have become very aware in the past few months, especially, th that's an empty line. There there really are not places to go in in uh, in the city of Lansing and Ingham County as a whole. The the city's not unique in in that respect. Um, Tri-County uh, Regional Planning Commission is supposed to be coming up with a report that's coming out any day now for the last six or eight months uh, th that will show uh, 10, 15,000 uh, units that the area is short, the bulk of those in, in city of Lansing by, by way of uh, housing. So, 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 so those are things that are, that are, are different since we last talked, but they, they feed into some of the same things that, that we've been uh, talking about uh, at the treasurer's office. The, the county treasurer, by statute, has a fairly limited role in, in housing. We, we enforce property tax collections, do foreclosures, uh, and, and the, the treasurer uh, also chairs the, uh, the county land bank and, and, in that respect, tries to uh, do better with, uh, with property that's been foreclosed, get it back into uh, productive use, however that's defined. Um, we, but we see because we deal with people who are in danger of foreclosure, we, we see every day who the individuals are, and, 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 and so we, we spend a lot of time thinking about what, what is needed in the, in the community as a whole, what can be done, uh, how, to, how to approach these. We're, we're very fortunate in Ingham County uh, compared to other counties in the, in the state, and, and, and this is a tribute to the work my predecessor, Eric Schertzing, did, to, to have a very good ratio of foreclosure prevention staff to foreclosure prevention issues. I've, I've talked with the Wayne County treasurer who wants to know how he can do what we do, and I tell him he only needs to hire about 100 times as many staff as he has. He's got that many parcels to deal with. So, so we're, we're now, Friday, this Friday is the deadline for paying 2020 and earlier year taxes to avoid foreclosure. Uh, there are, there were, uh, as of the end of February, about 450 such parcels in Ingham County, 80 or 90 percent of them in the city of Lansing. Uh, through our efforts, which, which include not just collecting the taxes, but working one-on-one -on -one with as many households as we possibly can, uh, I can say there are going to be fewer than 80 foreclosures in the, in the county. Uh, and and that's the, this will be the third year in a row uh, that we've held foreclosures under 80. Our, our office has been very active in promoting the, uh, the MyHalf program for homeowners, uh, getting, uh, getting funds out to people who owe delinquent property taxes, utilities, uh, and other homeowner-related uh, uh, costs. Um, most of the other counties in the state have just told people about it and told them to go find some way to file. Uh, we've been holding events throughout the city, one that was outside the city, but throughout the city, neighborhood by neighborhood, at places where people are comfortable going and that have the sort of internet connection that people who are, uh, who are poor do not have in their homes, uh, starting with, with three of the city's libraries and continuing to uh, uh, community centers, Crystal Ray, uh, church on, on West Holmes, all sorts of places where we can get people to come in 
and, and get the applications for state assistance filled out uh, with, with help from uh, Capital Area Housing Partnership, which is the agency that the state has contracted with to do this. Uh, we've brought, uh, at, at last count, about $2 million in delinquent and current year property taxes into the county, 80% of that into the city. Uh, and according to the, uh, uh, the state statistics, for every dollar in, in delinquent tax money that we bring in, uh, there's an additional $2 that goes to pay uh, utility costs and, and other costs of home ownership. Uh, we know that the Board of Water and Light has been an active partner uh, and has, has received many uh, bill payments uh, uh, as a result of their partnership uh, and, uh, and, and enabled people to get caught up on, on those bills as well. As well. So, so, so that, that's our first role, and, and, uh, uh, and, and I'm, I'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish in Ingham County. And, and again, whenever we talk about what we do in Ingham County, 80% of that is in the city of Lansing, but, uh, but, but we do stretch from Stockbridge all the way up to, to, to Lansing. Uh, the, the, similarly, the, the land bank uh, has, has a role in trying to provide additional housing in the, in the city and, and in the county, and, and the land bank's holdings are more like 90% in the city than, than 80%. The land bank gets property from property tax foreclosures, the property the land bank gets, at least these days, I, I think it was a, a different situation 15 years ago, but at least these days the land bank gets nothing but property that is regarded by every aspect of the market as worthless or, or worse. Uh, last year, actually, no property at all uh, survived through auction and ended up at the land bank. Land bank acquired zero new, new parcels through property tax foreclosure a year ago. For the two years before that, it acquired only vacant lots, some of them too small to build on or otherwise situated in places where, where they, they couldn't be used, uh, or in a handful of cases, property that needed to be demolished uh, and, and, and was. Th this is not the, the situation that the land bank faced many, many years ago, and, and I'm indebted to Councilmember Wood for, for having some of the, 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 much of the memory and knowledge of those days because I wasn't working in this field then uh, and, and that's useful for, for, uh, for us to be aware of. The land bank has already been before the city uh, with, with one proposal to, uh, to build on vacant land in the city of Lansing and, and they'll be back time and time again over the next uh, few years. There, there are two kinds of parcels where the land bank is going to be building, and by that I mean uh, designing property and, and, and contracting with local contractors to build it. The, the land bank is acting as a contractor in, in these cases, not as a, uh, really as a government agent, uh, agency. W one is that on uh, corridors, on, on transportation corridors such as Saginaw, MLK, and Pennsylvania, there are plans to take uh, vacant lots uh, where there are uh, two or more of them together, combine those and build what we're calling row houses, essentially townhouse uh, condominium developments. The, these are, because they're condominium, they're, they're to be owner-occupied. Uh, the first one, and I, I apologize for not knowing the complete process that the city has, so I don't know whether it's been before the council or not, uh, is, uh, is going to place uh, five units 
on Saginaw Street directly across from the old St. Lawrence uh, Hospital. Uh, the second one, which I do know has not been before the council, uh, will be roughly around the corner uh, on, uh, on North MLK, uh, uh, about two blocks or blocks south of, of Saginaw. The others won't come here until uh, uh, next year at the earliest. Uh, these are attempts to slightly increase density along corridors, which ought to be something that, that we believe the, uh, the city should be interested in trying to do as a way of bringing additional housing into the city. Uh, the, the, it, it means that housing can be, be provided uh, more cheaply than in, in the single family houses on places where people have access to transportation. Uh, I'm excited by, about uh, building in the, uh, uh, in the vicinity of, uh, of Saginaw and, and MLK because of all of the other work that's going on that, that the city is, and, and ha has been involved in uh, that, that's going to increase the commercial space available there and that really does promise to make that section of the city, revive that section of the city again. I'm excited that the businesses who are involved in doing this appear to be largely locally owned and, and appear to be people who not only are from the area but are specifically from the neighborhood. That's very positive. That, that's how we get good things to happen in the city. Uh, the, the other thing the land bank will be doing, the, the land bank has acquired uh, a fair number of, of single family-sized vacant parcels scattered around the city. Uh, they are large enough lots to build single-family houses on, mainly in the southern part of the city. Uh, the lots in the northern part of the city are often uh, older. They're, they're not large enough to build on. You have to wait until you get two of them together. We're not aggressively or at all going out to neighbors and saying, we want to take your house so we can tear it down and build something larger there. That's not something we do. That's not the, something we should be doing. But, but particularly on the south side of town, there are a, a scattering of single-family-sized lots, and we'll be moving ahead uh, with the help of state money and some county money to put single-family houses up there, again, for owner occupancy, uh, to stabilize those neighborhoods, uh, houses that will fit into the neighborhoods, that will... Uh, uh, that, that we'll, we will talk with people in the neighborhoods about so that, they're, so that it's understood that what we're doing is, is benefiting the, the communities. The, those are important to do. We're going to spend a fair amount of, uh, of, of, of county money, a fair amount of the state's money to do them, uh, and, and it, it, will, it will be of, of great assistance, I think, to the neighborhoods in the city. It, it's also going to be a drop in the bucket. To be honest, we're talking about 10 or 15,000 units needed in the city and in the county. Uh, if we can build on 15 or 20 of those in three or four years, that, that's going to meet the goals. If we can encourage developers without land bank support to take land bank vacant lots, which we offer for cheap, and do the same thing without uh, uh, public money, again, it'll be 20, 30, maybe 40 lots over three or four years. 50 or 60 new single-family houses are important. Uh, it, we, we intend to uh, do our best to ensure that uh, people who have not had access to, uh, to mortgages in the past, have been excluded from, uh, from home ownership in the past, have the, uh, have the first access to these uh, properties. We're working very actively with local credit unions and some local banks as well uh, to ensure that we can do that. 
it, it, it is a it is a problem the city is going to have as long as housing is so tight that if we build something that's relatively inexpensive in a neighborhood in Lansing, somebody is going to want to come in from Okemos and pay less money, deal with availability issues. People, that's how people get squeezed out of neighborhoods is by having such a shortage that people who have resources go to where the housing is uh, uh, regardless of, uh, of, of trying to meet the need in the, uh, in the urban area. We're, we're going to do our best to avoid doing that. We're, we're going to do our best to ensure that uh, housing goes to people uh, in the community and who have been excluded from home ownership in the past, not to people who have other options. I think we have a couple questions from okay. council members. Yeah. Council Member Spitzley and then Council Member Brown. Sure. Thank you, Madam President. I, I, I mean, I, I'm encouraged by what you're saying, um, but you know, I'd be interested in what concrete steps you're taking to do that. That's the first thing. I mean, I, I, you know, you talk about the last last week's, you know, um, housing issue at 922 West Homes, and I will agree with you that that was a failure on all sides. And so, when you mention it, then I'm I'm assuming that you have or resources available that could have helped us do that instead of just mentioning it as an anecdote um, you know as you're talking about um, Treasury so I'd be interested to hear what resources that you would have bring to bear to make sure that didn't happen and then the other thing I wanted to ask um, is um, the land bank issue you know I've had people um, come to me and you know call the number on the land bank and they cannot get through and so I think that having that stuff available, particularly for people who live in that neighborhood and want to buy the adjoining piece of property or whatever, I think that's excellent. Um, but I'm, I'm, I myself have gone, driven by a property, gotten the address, looked on the land bank's website, and it's nowhere to be found. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to you know, how or what, what your thoughts are to make that program more robust and make it more accessible to folks who are actually looking at buying um, property within the land bank. Thank well, you. Th thank you. Let, and let me start with, with that question. That was one of the concerns I had when I became uh, treasurer. Uh, we're working on that. We're working on uh, figuring out how we're, we're, we're spending time now reclassifying property so that property that is actually available is displayed properly on the website. Uh, we had hoped to have that done by now. It's like a lot of other technological things and a lot of other things with limited staff. It, it's still uh, in process, uh, but but it is a, a priority. And and, uh, uh, and and in fact, just last week, I spent about two or three hours with with the Lambeck staff going through the database, saying, you know, what, what, why is the classification for this one blank instead of saying it's available, it's not available." Um, and, and, and what do we mean when we say that this is the, the status of a, a property? So we, we have about 600 properties in the county. We're going through them one at a time. We will have that up uh, very soon. The, the Land Bank also got hit by a, a, a technological problem, which was that the previous executive director uh, uh, paid for the, uh, uh, the, 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 the website listing and, and didn't pass the password on to the uh, successor. The, the money to have the website up expired suddenly uh, about two weeks ago, 
And so I think the website has not been very available for the past couple of weeks. It has, it, yeah. So so we're we're working around that, and and uh, uh, and, and that that's a that's a point that I've considered well taken, and and we're we're trying to uh, uh, address that. Uh, to be honest, I I don't have a an answer or resources to deal with the uh, with the rental property uh, issue, uh, I, except to if you will, commiserate a little bit that we also are having to decide what to do with people who are in red tag property uh, when we know that there's no place for them to go. And I don't, I, I think that's something we need to put our heads together on. Uh, it, it's, it's, there, there's not an easy answer. I, I have a hard answer, a long answer. And the hard and long answer is that until the supply of housing is increased in the community, it's going to be possible for landlords to rent out substandard property, and it's going to be necessary for some people to live in that kind of property because there's no place else to go. And, and that's, uh, that's the reality we all have to face. We've got different resources, different approaches to that. Uh, and, 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 and so where, where, I was, where I was going with that is we, we need to work together on it uh, with, with, with the different resources. We're, we've gotten uh, one of the things that's happening later, this actually tomorrow, is that MISHDA is finally meeting with local organizations and, and, and governments to talk about the housing strategy uh, for the Tri-County region. They've been promising this since uh, November. I'm excited to go because I've been kind of been wanting to pencil it into my calendar since they said they were going to do it in November. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. I believe there are a lot of resources coming from the state. Uh, I, I want to see those resources put to good use. We all do. Uh, we all have to work together to do that, not not fight turf battles. And I'm not saying that we have, but but that's a that's always a problem in in any attempt to do regional work uh, 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 that we need to be aware of. Um, so so I'm I'm looking forward to that meeting tomorrow to see where that goes. Councilmember Brown. Thank you, President Wood. Well, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. It sounds like that you guys are uh, trying to make headway on several different areas. Uh, to piggyback on what uh, Councilwoman Spitzley was saying, um, what are the actual uh, tangible ways that you were talking about making sure that housing is available, those that, that uh, ownership that have been excluded in the past and working with local credit unions and so forth? Um, are there going to be, you know, where there's additional support as far as requirements or qualifications or is it going to be, you know, the same status quo that, you know, you don't have this or you don't have this credit score, so you're not uh, eligible for this? Well, there, there, there are two pieces to that. One, one is to, as I said, work with these, and, and, and I say credit unions, and I'm going to keep saying credit unions because they largely are credit unions, who are based in the community and understand the needs in the community. And we have from them uh, knowledge that their existing programs which they don't all do a good job of, of promoting, uh, do have two things. One is lower credit score requirements, but, but more importantly, the case-by-case -case sort of analysis that's needed to say, this will work, we can make this work, even if the numbers don't, don't quite pan out on paper. Uh, and and, and that's, that's something that we're, we're pushing very hard for, and, and we're gratified to see that, that a couple of the credit unions uh, uh, that that uh, that we've been talking with already have such things in mind. The other thing that needs to be done, 
is is one that uh, that doesn't get talked about much, and and that is the the, the history of 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 at least the land bank in the past. I can't speak for other organizations. Has been you, you build a you build or rehab more commonly rehab a house. You put it on the market. You see what the the market brings. That's going to have the effect in our market now of pricing people out of, uh, of those houses. So we are putting. Uh, the word is never used, but the, the word is subsidies. We're subsidizing the construction of housing. Uh, th th that requires building some requirements in that will encourage people to stay in the house that they buy as long as possible, encourage them if they do need to leave for whatever reason to sell it to somebody else who is both income qualified uh, and uh, uh, and and will own the home as a as a as a homeowner, not as a rental unit. We're going to be pretty strong about both of those requirements. Uh, aside from the desires of the, the the land bank and and others, it happens to be more consistent with uh, federal law, and we are spending ARPA dollars, so we have to be consistent with federal law. I think it's something we would have got to ourselves. The other thing we're going to do, though, is. Um, not necessarily put all of the housing on the open market. It, what, one of the things I've, I've learned from Habitat, for example, they, they never put a house on the open market. They have a, they have a qualified home buyer lined up in advance. I think we're going to try to do the same thing, and, and that will allow us to do our marketing uh, with community organizations, with churches, with any other place that can put us in touch with the many, many, many people in this community who need housing, who can afford housing, uh, who have been excluded uh, from those markets in the past, it gives us time to get people involved with the sort of education that the credit unions and, and, and capital area housing partnership also have be, because a new homeowner has things to learn about what it means to have the responsibility of a home in order to be successful. We're going to do all those things with, with anything that has county money involved in it. We have not worked out the details. Working out the details is something that has been a partnership with community organizations, with, with the credit unions, and, uh, and to some extent even with the contractors. We're, we're, we're doing a similar capacity building effort um, with local contractors. We, we hear from uh, local contractors that they don't sign up for MISHTA because they have to jump through too many application processes even to become eligible to get money. Uh, one of the things the, that, one, one of the other things that I do, with the other hat I wear, is chair of the county's housing task force, or housing trust fund rather. The housing trust fund is created with ARPA money. Uh, we've uh, granted some money to, to CAP, we've granted some money to the land bank. We have $2 million available now in competitive grants, and we are working with anybody we can work with uh, to encourage contractors who have not qualified, have not tried to qualify for state grants or other grants uh, to, to engage in the process. We have a pre-application process so that we can pair people up with navigators who can help them actually do the paperwork. These are people who are qualified to build houses they have experience building houses. They don't have experience filling out paperwork. And, and we are determined not to let that get in the way and to try to build capacity so that these folks, after they do a couple of small projects uh, with, with some county assistance, are in line 
to, to, to get the larger dollars that are available uh, 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 through MISHTA. This is, a, a, this is a, an, a consequence of the housing crash in 2008 was that a, a, a lot of uh, businesses went under and stayed under. A lot of qualified people uh, who would, ordinary, would otherwise be in the market are not in the market, number one. Number two, a lot of contractors uh, are not the sorts of folks that, uh, that the state has wanted to deal with for a variety of reasons that include uh, not being conventional in how they approach things. Uh, they're responsible, uh, they are honest, uh, but but they're not on the on the approved lists, and and, uh, it, and it's up to the county to try to figure out ways to get these folks so that they uh, so that they do follow the rules, do learn how to do make the process work. You can't do that on your own if you're if you're a small contractor in, in the area. We're confident from what we've seen of the people who buy property at uh, at, at at the uh, uh, treasurer's auctions that there are a wide, wide variety of people who are qualified to do more than they are doing, and, and we really want to encourage them. That's gonna, that's gonna build capacity in the community. It's gonna build the small business uh, uh, portion of the community, uh, and I, I think it's gonna be particularly beneficial to minority contractors uh, who we know have done excellent work and who also, for the most part, have been excluded from getting state grants. Lee, do you have another question? No, I was just say thank you. Answer my second okay. question as well. Okay, we do have Councilmember Cost uh, and then Councilmember Spadafore. We've got about ten, maybe ten more minutes, and then we have to move on. And, so. and I apologize for being so wordy. I, no, I told I told Councilmember Wood uh, when I first talked to her. I have a tendency to, to not, go on. Not a problem. <laughs> I know that this this uh, conversation could go on. Well, for an hour, but we, we do have some other business sure. too. So, Councilmember Kloss and then Councilmember Spadafore. Thank you, Councilmember um, President Wood. And I, I have the same issue. I'll, I'll talk for hours. Um, <laughs> so, just to go back to this red tag, uh, Lansing's got 706 last count on the red tagged on safe houses. Um, you had said something about um, the short fix right now is people having to live in substandard housing so i guess my question um is uh outside of lansing right now how many houses are deemed substandard do you guys have a count on that um in the county well but most of the units not most of the population but most of the units in, in the county don't do anything like that there 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 are housing uh housing is registered and rental housing is registered in east lansing I don't know that it is much of anywhere else. So, so there's nothing equivalent because the city of Lansing uh, tries to do a more thorough job of, of, uh, of guaranteeing the quality of housing. Uh, a lot of the rural townships, I know there's, there, there are problems there. I, I see houses that, are, that would be red tagged if they were in Lansing, but there is frankly nobody to red tag them. Uh, and and, and that, that's, that's typical of the rural areas anywhere in the state. And it's why, all, although I'm, I'm very happy to be here, very happy to talk about issues in the city of Lansing, see issues in the city of Lansing as important, I, I also will argue that the issues in the rural areas do not get noticed. Um, so when it comes to the areas outside of Lansing, 
Do you have an estimate of how much affordable housing, say, Okemos has or um, Meridian Township, uh, East Lansing, or, or other areas that aren't specific to Lansing? No, I, I think the Tri-County Regional Planning Commission study will give us uh, some, some notion of that. It, it, it's, uh, uh, and, and that's why I've been eagerly waiting and checking emails to, to see when it comes out because we all need to have that kind of information. Um, uh, the, the, the short answer is I suspect when we have the data, it'll, it'll confirm what we all know, which, which is that the vast bulk out of proportion to the population of affordable housing in the county is in is in city of Lansing. Um, th there there are certainly parts of, of Meridian Township and East Lansing that are you could consider affordable housing. I, I was on city council in East Lansing about a million years ago, and in East Lansing, of course, it's a completely different universe because of student housing, and and anything that compares student housing with housing in other communities ju just doesn't. Uh, it is it's it's apples and oranges almost so and, and, and let me and, let me ask you this then situation. so you're a former council member for East Lansing where they have districts where there's no rentals um, there's one just over the border of where I live mm -hmm. um, do you think that that might perpetuate the problem that we're seeing in housing right now by um, cities like East Lansing having several areas where they don't allow any rentals in, in East Lansing, and, and, and they did that after I left the council, they didn't like my ideas. Uh, in, in East Lansing, that's done to keep students out of neighborhoods. It's as, it's as discriminatory as redlining, uh, and, and, uh, and, and it has the same effect, although not by, by race or, or by uh, other characteristics of, of, of that nature. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I advocated 40 years ago in East Lansing was I, I said if you wanted to uh, uh, provide more housing, you need to, well, first of all, you need to build more housing. That was the answer to the, uh, the housing crisis that East Lansing had in the 70s was to build more. So in, in that respect, I guess I'm a broken record. The, the other thing I said was that if you, if you wanted to have uh, settle the issue of competition between uh, the downtown and the adjoining neighborhoods, which at the time were not student-dominated, you needed to build up. You couldn't throw you couldn't throw the downtown into uh, into the neighborhoods, and they finally did that. Uh, so, so that only took about 30 or 40 years. I'm 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 patient. I don't know if I'm that patient, uh, but but that was not. But they did that not primarily as a housing issue. They did that to keep the property values of homeowner residents near the downtown up. And then they let them go rental, and then they stopped extending the rental area. So it's not what I would have done, but but uh, it, it was it was uh, it was the approach that the city did. Thank you, Mr. Fox. Thank, Thank you. you. And then we'll go to Councilmember Spadafore, who actually sits sits on Tri County um, Planning. So yeah, as this comes <laughs> as this report comes forward, we're going to be anxious to yeah. have some information. I think Councilmember Jackson also. Um, sits on Tri-County. I'm told it's well. coming in a few weeks, a couple weeks. <laughs> right. Is that what you get too? I, I've heard that for months. Okay, and me too. For, for several months it's coming. I in actually got weeks. materials last week though, so we're getting closer and closer. It, I think um, one of the things that we see in this area is a mismatch between what is attainable for many of our the jobs that are being created here in, in the community and what is being delivered across the region in terms of housing. 
Uh, that's really wasn't where I was going with that, but I had a question for you about, do you, are you aware of any programs? I hear a lot in, in our community, I can afford my rent. Why can't I afford my mortgage? And a lot of it is banks, credit unions, whatever, are taking a lot of factors into consideration about ability to pay that may not have a lot of impact on a, a renter's ability to pay a mortgage. Are there programs out there that can help sort of even, even government will create one with the land bank, with the county, with the city that would allow for us to help folks get into mortgages and more stable housing that, that show a track record of an ability to pay rent? I, I, I don't know whether there are programs. Uh, I, I really do think the critical thing to do is to work with the lenders that are available locally that have an interest in doing that. And, and, uh, uh, and those are largely, not entirely, but largely credit unions. Uh, and you know, they, they've got their own requirements because they're regulated by the federal government. They're regulated uh, uh, in some cases by the state, but largely by the federal government. Uh, but but I see a lot of opportunities to do that. I don't I don't know that it takes a program per se as much as it does doing the sorts of things that we've been trying to initiate, where we get people together and get them talking about it, uh, and and, uh, uh, and then figure out how to to direct people there. Um, I, I neither the city nor the county has really the capacity or the. Uh, um, the the legal ability, I guess I'd say, to 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 uh, to direct people to lenders uh, in a way that we might want to do. Uh, <clears throat> we can think about whether there's a legal way to do that, um, <clears throat> and, and I don't know what the role is at, at either of our places, but that but that's a that, that's a place that's a thing where you know we agree that it's an important thing to do. We ought to be looking for a way to get it done with with what we can do. I think there's a lot of to, to, to unpack here. I'm looking at 55 slides from Tri-County right now, but one of the things that might be useful is to try and change how we talk about affordable housing. I mean, attainable housing in this community is about $940 a month, and that's a whole litany of jobs that are excluded from that attainability. Mm -hmm. And we need to start thinking differently about what affordable means, I think, so we're not just talking about some, some of the projects that come before us, but different, different types of affordability for um, folks that are without employment full-time and folks that have full-time jobs, we need to be thinking strategically about that just to make sure that housing is attainable for a lot of our, our residents, and right now it's not. I, I, I agree, and, and, and thank you for using the term uh, attainable, which, which I, I did see a presentation from Tri-County which suggested uh, uh, using that phrase, and it just hasn't worked its way into, into my vocabulary quite yet. Uh, but but uh, the... the there are needs in this area across all categories of housing. There's, there's, we, we need to, you know, from, from people who are homeless and are going to be homeless, even if you yep. did all sorts of things to, uh, uh, to, to assist them, all the way up to the people we want to attract to the community, to, to the broad community, as, as people who are going to provide the economic backbone and, and, and change the economy of the area of the longer range, you know, keeping college graduates in the community. As happens, and as will always happen, the market does a better job of that end of it, but it still hasn't done a perfect job. All of those need to happen, though. Uh, and and the, the alternative is if people want to stay in the community, if people see a future in the community, uh, those that have resources will crowd out people who don't, and and we will we will see neighborhoods where we, you know we think are 
relatively attainable, uh, where that, that have long, long histories, and housing that is old but usable, that's going to become very attractive to people who are willing to pay higher prices for it uh, th than are paid now. That, and that's a, that's a danger. Uh, it, it's 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 forced on us by the the market, uh, and and, uh, and 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 dealing with all of that at once is an enormous challenge. Uh, I don't have the answers. None of us have the, all the answers. Uh, we we only get anything. We only get it done by having this conversation and and more like it, and and having the conversations around specifics as well as the the, the general issues constantly. Well, there's a lot to be said, but uh, Councilmember Woods giving me the. <laughs> the trademark eye here, so I'm, I'll stop talking. When the report's released, I hope we can have you back to talk, chat about it. Like that very much. Th Please. Thank you. Thank you all for for indulging me on this. And and uh, this this is again, this is not just a presentation. And then I'll never see you again. I, I hope we'll continue this and and on much more specific uh, issues. We do appreciate you uh, coming in, Alan, and and addressing some of these concerns. And we look forward as things move down. Um, with the land bank and different things are happening that you come back periodically and uh, give us those updates and keep us in the loop on, on what's going on. Um, and I also want to thank you for being a Lansing resident. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, that takes us um, to our first action. Oh, no, we next have the mayor's um, uh, 2022 annual report. Um, we did ask the administration if they would like to uh, come and present the report. The information that we received from the mayor was that uh, this report had been out um, since January. He hadn't received any questions from um, council um, that he addressed uh, these issues as part of the uh, state of the city address and he recommended that we go uh, to the YouTube to the um, address there and uh, look at it and then if we had questions we can get back with him so that's the mayor's annual report with that we will move yes ma'am you're welcome I'm sorry. Um, how did we know that it had been out since January? Were we given we, email we, or? Yes, we, were we did. It was referred. Okay. Um, and we did receive a copy in January as part of the council packet. Um, okay. So we did receive that. Um, I know that um, when we went to look for it, we thought that it would be on the mayor's website, but it wasn't there. It might be there now, but it wasn't when we looked at looked at it. It is in, under the clerk's um, page under documents there. So that's that's what we have. Okay. So, and as I'm perusing through the annual report, I do have some questions. And so, what I what I'm I guess I will ask the individual uh, departments during the budget time about some of the numbers that are in his annual report, or what do we do here? Well, I just thought we would have an opportunity to to engage with each other and discuss it. But if that's not the case, then I can reach that, out to that, the individual that's departments. That's not the information that came directly from the mayor. All right, 
Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, with that, that takes us to our next item, and that is a resolution on the assignment of the stadium license lease um, and service agreements. And do we have people here? Okay, if you'd come up to um, our uh, through the yep into the well up to the table. We did have a presentation um, of this at our last um, Committee of a Whole uh, meeting in your packet. You have, if you were not um, able to attend, we do have the PowerPoint that was put forth. We also have um, a copy of the assignment uh, information, and we'll open it up if you have any um, remarks, and then we'll go on from there. Sure. Thank you so much. My name is Peter Freund. I'm the CEO of Diamond Baseball Holdings. Thank you Zach, for coming. Um, oh, of course. It's my pleasure. Um, had a great day at the ballpark. Um, wonderful time with the staff. Everybody's so committed to, um, to Lansing, and um, we are as well. So this is um, the 16th team that we have purchased um, from Des Moines, Iowa, to Oklahoma City, to Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, this is our business. Um, we are uh, very well connected with the Oakland A's, Major League Baseball. Um, we're excited to um, invest alongside of all of you um, in uh, Lansing and the ballpark and um, just continue to operate the club here uh, for many years to come. So, Okay. And then, um, Mr. City Attorney, was there anything that you wanted to add to the information that's been provided? No, we've been dealing with the uh, team's attorneys uh, in putting together these documents, making sure that we have uh, documents that protect their interests, our interest mainly. And, um, and so the documents and the resolution you have before you accurately reflect a transfer so the lease will be transferred assumed assigned to the uh, team and it will run through 2038 i believe and the liquor license should be coming next right lisa yes okay are there any questions yes uh council member jackson thank you thank you for being here so diamond baseball 16 teams that's a lot it is a lot of spreading out your resources and investing in other places as well you said you want to invest in lansing right of course all, all those other places you want to invest in we have i mean we've uh we've made private investment in almost all of our clubs um a lot of private public partnerships in hudson valley new york we just put $6 million into that facility as part of a public-private partnership. Um, and uh, so, look, we're very bullish on the business, but the part that's really important about spreading out our resources is um, it's still a hyper-local business. It's still a Lansing business, so all of the staff that's in place, um, Zach's born and raised here, I mean, will remain. Um, we understand how important the community connectivity is. So a lot of what we're doing, um, we have a lot of opportunity to bring in other than baseball events. Um, our backers, Silver Lake, is invested in Endeavor, which is the largest um, uh, concert promoter in the world. Um, so we are looking to bring um, other than baseball events as well to the ballpark. Um, so we're really excited about continuing to just activate it here in, in the city of Lansing. So. 
Sure, we just don't want to see anything bad happen to our lug nuts. <laughs> and you know, since it's a business for you all, if how long, two years, three years you've been in it or something I, I heard? Well, so um, I've been in this for over a decade. Um, I personally own three minor league teams that I rolled into this. Um, so this is not just a startup. This is a long-term business that I've been in for a long time. Um, so it's not just a fly-by-night uh, kind of operation. And as far as taking care of the lug nuts, I mean, the reality is, given what Major League Baseball has now said has to happen um, from what they call a PDL compliance, um, I really believe that this ensures that baseball stays in Lansing for, you know, for a very long time. And I guess this last thing, it just makes it hard because when it's business and compliance might get hard all around with all your teams, and then like, you know, businesses sell, they, you know, downgrade, all these different things. So since Lansing's so new, how would that, how, how I mean, who's it gonna be if, if you have to downgrade? Um, I mean, we intend to keep PDL licenses for all of our teams. I mean, that's the key to the value of the club. So we can't really afford to downgrade it. Major League Baseball has removed 42 teams from um, municipalities all over the country. Um, they went from 160 to 120 minor league teams. Um, any team we're buying, that's not going to happen. So that's, that's our commitment. Thank you. Are there other questions? Councilmember Spitzley. Thank you, Madam President. I just have a simple one. Do you own the Blue Wahoos? No, but Pensacola is the best. I love that. I love that stadium. All right, we'll work on that one so we can all go to the beach together. All right, <laughs> call assist up. I live down the street. From okay. The all right. Okay. Done. Are there other questions? With that, uh, Councilmember Spadafore. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. I would move the resolution for the assignment of the stadium lease, license, lease, and service agreement rights and obligations from Take Me Out to the Ball Game LLC to Diamond Baseball Holdings LLC. Have a motion before us. Uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes unanimously. Thank you. Thank you. It, it is on council tonight for a vote, so we will be voting um, later in the evening on this. So we'll, we'll still be if, Okay, terrific. Um, next is a resolution supporting the um, eight funding proposals for uh, Congresswoman, Congresswoman Slotkin. And I would turn this uh, over to the Deputy Mayor. Thank you and good evening, um, Madam President and City Council. You know, as in past years, our city has received requests from both our Senate and House representatives uh, to help in the funding of, of several or potential earmark type of projects. But you know, the accounts for both the House and the Senate, they're, they're different for whatever reason. Uh, this year, the applications were a little bit more narrow in scope, but obviously they represent a good opportunity for our city to, uh, to help us. Uh, we also saw less projects that uh, had requests for fire and police type, type of projects. Um, we also uh, saw less type of social service type of of projects, so at least, am I look, I know, okay, I see uh, comments up there, I'm sorry. Okay, so uh, at least for the, uh, the projects that we were, that we were asked to consider when we presented them to Congresswoman uh, Slotkin, 
they uh, recommended the eight that are before you. What I'd like to do now is just to briefly, briefly go through uh, those eight projects with you. Uh, these are going to be considered, we're hoping they'll be considered in the 2024 federal budget. Um, the total estimate for these projects is about $43.7 million. So if we were able to get all of them, that would be a significant amount to our city. The first one that we're looking at is the uh, wastewater treatment plant upgrades. Uh, in this under this project, we are proposing to remediate the old and install a new digester facility. Uh, this was commissioned back in the 1970s. And obviously, if we're able to replace this, it'll help us save some dollars in utility and operational uh, savings. The estimated cost for this project is about $5.5 million. The next project is a residential footing drain disconnect program. Several areas in our city have homes with footing drains that are directly connected to the sanitary or combined sewers. And unfortunately, if there's ever a major rain event, and our sewers are over uh, capacity, this could sometimes cause some type of backage uh, in, into the basements. So to help us alleviate this, uh, this situation, we recommend uh, that this project be approved. And basically the solution is to remove the footing drain flow and instead install uh, some pups. And the estimated cost from this, it's a little scalable and we're thinking it would be anywhere from 100,000 to 1 million. And that and, is something that we have Yes. been a project that we've been working on throughout the city. Exactly, okay. exactly, thank you. Um, obviously there's another one and is, this is still uh, very similar to what we're working on and this is the combined sewer overflow uh, funds. Now in this case, as you know, our city has been working uh, for 13 years uh, on our combined sewer overflow project. The estimated cost for this remaining work is somewhere between 250 million to 300 million. Uh, if we were to be able to receive these funds, and we're asking for 15 million here, the city would uh, be able to reduce the use of sewer funds for, for another year. And in turn, this will help us to reduce any type of rate increase that we were considering, and of course, ensuring that our city is providing safe and efficient services. And we're asking, again, $15 million for this project. The next one is a city-owned fiber redundancy, or I prefer to call it um, a backup for, uh, for and, and or replacement. Our city facilities are all connected by a combination of city-owned and leased fiber connections. Several of the city-owned fiber connections need redundancy or replacement. Funding of this project will provide backup or replacement fiber connections between various key uh, city facilities. And these would include our, our two main data centers, City Hall, our police fire operations, and perhaps maybe we may be able to use this on our new public, public safe, safety facility. And we're looking at 1.5 million for this project. The next one is the Michigan Corridor Enhancement, Michigan Avenue Corridor Enhancement Project. Now we were able to receive some funds just for a portion for this, uh, for this area, but, uh, but it's nowhere near uh, everything. Uh, there is so much more that still needs to get done. We're asking for a total of 9.8 million uh, for this project. And again, if we're able to receive these funds, we're looking at making improvements such as a new and innovative roadway design that would encourage uh, multimodal travel and the reduction of motor vehicle speeds, we're looking at dedicated bike facilities, uh, curbs uh, that we could move along the entire stretch to accommodate uh, 
bikes, uh, pedestrians, and other type of uses. Uh, we're looking at neighborhood district wayfinding and characterization, and this is something that all cities do, and this is to create a sense of, of place. We're also looking for improvements to the US uh, 127 bridge, uh, bus enhancement, new street trees, as I said, there's, there's so many things we could do. Uh, one, of my, uh, one of the best things I'd like to do is to do some traffic signal upgrades where, where needed. And again, this is 9.8 million. Our next project is the Public Safety Complex Construction Funds. And here again, uh, I know that our, our residents were, were very good and they helped us to approve the, uh, the bonds so that we can construct this. But we're also asking assistance for these dollars and we're looking for a total of 10 million. If we're able to get this, obviously this would reduce the amount of, of bond funds that we need and it'll help to reduce the tax burden for our city's taxpayers. Also, we're looking at the Kalamazoo Street flood barrier. In this case, we're looking to install a barrier system and storm sewer overflow. And this will protect this area for another uh, two feet of flooding depth. And of course, this will help to minimize the chance of flooding should a major flood occur. And you may recall the one that happened back in 2018. And uh, we're looking for 100,000 on this one. And then lastly, and this one is kind of unique uh, in that we call it the universally accessible playground facility. And in this case, we do have some funds already for this. It's had support, some support, and we have about 1.2 million. And we're looking for uh, 800,000 to help us meet the 2 million that we need. And in this case, our city is partnering with the Capital Region uh, Community Foundation, and this is uh, called uh, Play Michigan. If this is able to be created or we're able to get the funds for this, then we would have the first universally accessible playground in the region. And this would be designed to promote inclusivity, and it would help the health and well-being of all children and their families. As I said, we have about 1.2 million already that we've been able to raise. Uh, designers uh, for this project would have far exceeded the ADA requirements to create a completely barrier-free environment where all children, their parents, uh, adults, uh, regardless of their abilities, can play side by side. And also children with uh, sensory or development disabilities obviously will also have lots of things to do if this is, if this is doable. And we're looking for 800K um, in this area. Like I've said in previous years, uh, the Congresswoman's office has made it very clear to us that they're looking for broad-based support in order so that we can have uh, projects like these, like these included in their budget. As such, your support uh, for this resolution is a significant step in this process. I thank you in advance for your consideration. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Okay, we have Councilmember Brown, Councilmember Cause, Councilmember Spadafore. Uh, Councilmember Brown. Thank you so much, uh, President Wood. Uh, thank you so much for being here, um, Mr. Jane. Uh, thank you. So these um, community-funded projects, it's you, know, you indicated that were selected by Congresswoman Slotkin's office, uh, and it says that they are, these were the these projects were selected. How many applications um, were submitted? I'm sorry, I don't know the exact number, but I know that departments sent uh, several, uh, and and we did not receive all of them. I I don't have the exact number. Um, if is you it, wait is a it second, uh, um, Emily, our soon-to-be internal yes. auditor, <laughs> might have the Emily's worked this. on this. You've got to click the button. Okay. Excellent. Still not on. 
So it looks like we submitted eight applications and uh, all of them were accepted. Is that okay. correct, Emily? I mean, no. All right, thank you. So out of the, the, um, these eight, some of these aren't important, but community funded projects, there were several different um, areas that you could apply for. We have a major crisis with housing, red tags, and those type of things. Were there projects submitted um, to address some of the needs of the people, not necessarily just the infrastructure or the sewer? Well, as I said earlier, uh, the, these, those types of projects that you're mentioning uh, were not um, considered. However, we will be submitting some of those similar type of projects, as you mentioned, to the, uh, to the Senate and see if perhaps they, so they could qualify. I, as we, you and I spoke, um, they do have eligibility for like community block funding, mm -hmm. uh, those type of funds where they do have an opportunity to submit. Um, why did the administration not submit for projects that would benefit people directly? I believe that these projects will submit, uh, will, um, I apologize, that these projects will um, uh, affect everybody directly, the residents of our community. But as I said again, Councilman, I don't mean to sound like a broken record here, but we will look uh, for the Senate to see if we can uh, apply I'm for those for projects. Congresswoman Slockins, because I have an email that says that there was additional that we submitted for homelessness and housing, and the administration did not want to support it. Can you repeat that one more time? You said that we submitted or... Yes. Okay. And that I have the email that said it was accepted for the first round for housing and homelessness to help address that, and the administration did not want to support that. That and it we, was eligible. Yes. We that we applied. Is that correct? Is that your is that your statement that we applied that we administration applied? Yes. Alyssa Slotkin's office said that they would support mm -hmm. a proposal for housing and homelessness. Okay. That was not um, did not want to go forward through the administration. So I'm just saying as a community-funded project, that's mm -hmm. something that our residents, our community needs. And so to take that um, very seriously, because it, that is additional funding that could be helping even with um, what um, uh, uh, um, the treasurer was saying, that's an important um, asset and supporting, you know, potentially federal funds that can help us address some of these issues that we're having in our community. Okay, uh, I will look into that further and see if uh, if they if they qualify, and we will we will move forward. I do know, as I said, we are looking to uh, to submit applications to the Senate for for those type of projects. I understand. I'm talking about and the I, House, U.S. House of Representatives. Yes. we're talking about today. We do understand that there is opportunity for the U.S. Senate, but I'm referring to what we're discussing today I understand. in this resolution. I understand. I will look into that matter further. Thank you. Thank you. I think there's a follow-up. No. Mm -hmm. No? A different? Okay. No. Yep. Sorry. So okay. I'll go to Councilmember uh, Cost and then Councilmember Spadafore. Okay. Thank you, President Wood. Um, so I, I see a bunch of things on here that have funding already, like the public safety construction of $10 million. Was there any consideration put into, um, say, Moore's Park Pool that's been closed for four years? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I know what you're talking about. That's something that I uh, become more familiar on uh, as, as I spend my time here. But uh, we did not consider anything at this point in time. So why would we consider a public safety? It seems to me that we're going to be sending the wrong message. We're closing down pools um, that um, generally people that can't afford to drive to water parks use in the summer. Um, but we're going to put $10 million down on a public safety building. So we're going to build... It seems to me that the message is um, 
let's get more police department buildings and, um, you know, because Lansing might be dangerous, um, and pull away uh, pools and other activities for, for kids, especially that pool that services that neighborhood, my family in particular, for four generations. Um, so I'm a little concerned about the message this is sending. There's a bunch of things on this list that already have funding um, revenue, and, and Councilmember Brown brought up a very good point that we are in a red tag crisis right now, in a homelessness crisis. Okay. Um, so, you know, as I'm reading this here, and it's saying that uh, these will make Lansing a more desirable place, um, wastewater treatment plant upgrades for 5.5 million, how does that make Lansing a more desirable place? Our water treatment plants are very important. I mean, you, you've, you've read uh, reports uh, coming from other cities. Uh, the treatment of our, of our sewers uh, is essential. We want to make sure that when people come to, uh, to our community that they are, are maintained properly and correctly. Our water is obviously something that's very important to us as well. Those are, those are key issues, very important. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've always uh, you know, when I address as a public administrator, when people think, you know, not having a house is, is an important issue. Wouldn't and I you understand, agree? but yes, but but if you don't have uh, the proper water and sewer uh, resources to be able to do that, well, if they don't have a house, they don't have to worry about it. Well, with all due respect, sir, I think that that this is important, and uh, and this is something that we all need. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, before I go to Councilmember Spadafore, and. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I think we had um, this discussion in leadership meeting, and that was, yes, there are items here that we do put funding into, but it would reduce yes. what we have to utilize either from the general fund or let's use the public safety building as an example. We received the 10 million, it's not on top of what we've already agreed to bond for. It would be ten million less. Thank is you. that my yes. correct understanding? Yes, that is correct. That is correct, Council And President. so, just like um, the CSO uh, work, currently um, our sewer fee pays for that, which is increased by four percent every year. That's why you're looking at almost triple what your water bill is. And this would reduce what we would have to increase those fees by. Correct. Okay. Thank you. Council Member Spadafore. Thank you. Uh, not about sewers. Uh, today, <laughs> it's, it's actually about the playground, and I fully support the, the accessible playground. I think it's, it's a great idea and great concept. But I do recall being presented a plan that the Capital Region Community Foundation was going to be raising dollars for that and would be matching dollar for dollar private dollars that were raised. Um, and at the time, I, we were told $1.8 million. That was in May. Mm -hmm. And then in media reports, the price had escalated to 2.2. And now you've said they've raised $1.2 million and we're going to spend $3.3 .3 million. How much more is this playground going to cost, and how much more are we on the hook for? I mean, it's great that, that we're be, being given this puppy, this, this mm -hmm. thing to take care of, but it keeps getting more expensive, and now we're asking the federal government for nearly a million dollars. Well, we're hoping, we're hoping that we can double double expanded costs. So, what's going on there? Well, um, 
I don't know about that in terms of what's happening, but I do know that this is a project that we want to get done, and we're asking for 800000 and we're thinking that this is, the this is the amount of dollars that they need in order to, to make that happen. Will those $800,000 be matched by CRCF dollars? Or? I'm not aware of a, of a match of any kind. Okay, so, okay. Again, don't I think the playground should be built, but it seems like the goalposts keep getting moved by the foundation. And I understand. A lot of the projects they come to us with are things we didn't necessarily ask for, but we get to pay for. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. I will look into that further to see if there's any change. Thank you. Councilmember Brown, and as you're indicating, you'll look into these further. This is on the agenda tonight for passage, so we would need the information for the council meeting this evening. Well, um, again, this the, the approval of these of this request is is very timely, and uh, uh, I respectfully would would ask the city council to please consider approving these projects. I could come back later and give you the information that you need. Jim, the approval of this is not an appropriation, correct? So we would okay. have to come back. So it would have to come back to us correct. for an appropriation. And it could be turned down if we chose to. Okay. Yes. Yes. With that, Councilmember Brown. So let me make sure I understand if they if okay. we approve this, we don't we don't have to appropriate and we could deny it later because I've been told before we're gonna have information after we vote yes on something and we don't I don't receive it. So I don't feel comfortable um, doing that. So you're saying if we appropriate the funds, we don't have to approve it in the end. Or excuse we're, me, if we we're, not approving. we're approving the application, we would not be appropriating them. It would have, this is additional funds, so it would have to come back for an appropriation. Correct. Okay. Uh, my that, question is, go ahead. That's correct. Some resolutions were you approved the submitting of a grant application the resolution would have in it the authority to appropriate also or spend the money. This resolution does not have that. Not. So any money that's received would have to be appropriated. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what is okay. the time? Well, okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, my question was um, to the to um, council um, in uh, Spatterford uh, talking about the park and um, you know, know that's an important thing, but then council um, and cost brought up uh, Morris River, which we've had you know, it seems like the entire city uh, wanting uh, investment made back into Morris Park Pool. What was, where was the justification decision not to even put an application in and then put one in for uh, Adato Park? Oh, that's a good question, Councilman. I would have to ask our parks folks to see uh, you know, how they base uh, this decision. I we know had that hundreds and hundreds of people very, very I concerned understand. about Morris Park Pool, and there was a lot of commitments made to the constituents about mm -hmm. looking at that. I think we allocated a few hundred thousand dollars last mm -hmm. year to look at um, the cost, I guess, like some type of evaluation assessment. So we're making an investment, and then when there's an opportunity to you know, build up a park, then it's Adato versus Morris River. And you know, I don't, was anybody asked, or how did you guys come up with that? Again, um, this was part of the, uh, a team. Uh, they came together with some uh, recommendations. They felt that these were the best ones that, uh, that could go through. Uh, apparently, we got eight of them. Out of the eight that we submitted, eight were approved, and that was, uh, that was the decision then. Uh, I'd have to speak with our Parks Department to see if Morris Park was something that they, that they wanted to take a look at. But for now, um, it, just, it wasn't, uh, at least for my understanding, it was not included. But that doesn't mean that we won't have to. We won't look at it again, 
and it doesn't mean that uh, maybe perhaps in, in future applications we won't submit it. Well, we're talking about government transparency and being yes. engaged and being public servants for the community. If we have constituents in an entire city outcry saying they want something, I would think that when it comes up to having federal dollars for community funding, that it would be looking at saying, hey, this is what the community wants. I will take that's that back. That's I'll unfortunate take back. if it wasn't even looked at or regarded. Thank you. Thank you. And just, I don't know that this was the administration's um, rationale, but we did approve money for a study, and I don't believe the study has been completed, so we wouldn't know what the cost would be. That We, we could ask for a, uh, an amount of money, and it might not be the amount that they need, so that's, that's one consideration. That makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. Council Member Spitzley. Thank you, Madam President. I, I just will make a comment that um, <clears throat> I understand everybody's comments here, but it seems to me that once we approve this letter, it doesn't make much sense for us to vote it down if and when it comes here. I don't have a dog in the fight about some of this stuff. I would have rather some of the, the, uh, the asks be more um, people-oriented as well, but let's not, let's not fool ourselves that we're going to vote this thing down when it comes through or we actually have an opportunity to make comment. Once this thing is voted and it gets approved on the federal level, the only thing left for us to do is either vote for the appropriation or not vote for the appropriation. We don't have an opportunity to change what gets funded. And so I think we need to be clear to the people and clear on this dais that once this thing is voted on and it's sent to um, Congresswoman Slotkin, if it's funded, it's funded. And we can either vote down the funding, why would we do that, or we approve it. There's no changing. <laughs> it's just frustrating to me when we hear, I'll take it under advisement, or we can do this. There's no advisement. It's either approve it today, and then approve the funding, or not. That, that's, our, that's, our, that's our choices today. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Brown. Uh, Jim, is that true what she's saying? One's a, a, a legal question and the other is a reality check. The legal question is, are you appropriating it? The answer is no, I've already said that. The reality check is, you're looking at a check for $8 million for a project, you're going to reject it? She's probably right. Okay. All right. Uh, Councilmember Spadafore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I wasn't finished. So my question, to th that question was then to say, if, if, so if he's saying that, if we have eight projects and they're, they're going, can you deny and say, okay, I don't, I don't like this one and we don't want to accept this one, or you would have to take all eight based on what she was saying? Mr. City Attorney. Mr. Councilman, the situations are all different, okay? This resolution has you supporting all eight projects. You know, it's speculation what will happen if the eight million is granted. You know, I'm saying that reality is you probably won't reject it, but anything could happen. It's not appropriated yet. It only gets appropriated when the money comes in and you need to put it into some account. And, and thank you. And what Councilwoman Spitzley was saying is that basically it's an up or down for the whole appropriation. I guess that's my question. That's I apologize. What the says. Okay. 
Okay, I just wanted to be clear for myself. Thank you so much. Councilmember Spadafore again. Uh, um, I'm going to move the resolution. All right, we have a motion on the resolution. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? We have um, uh, six one. That's not right. It's five one. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, next are boards and commission term um, expirations, and that is placed on file. Okay. Uh, with that, we are going into a motion for closed session, and uh, Councilmember Spadafore, uh, we have a request from. Um, the finance director and for uh, the deputy city attorney to be in the first closed session. So if you would include that. Pardon? Desiree, I said the finance director. Mm. Yes. Sorry, Council President, uh, may I attend as well? I did ask. Yes, I said the deputy mayor. Okay. I'm sorry. Apologize. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I thought you said the deputy attorney. <laughs> I got, I got deputy city attorney, the finance director, and the deputy mayor. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I would move pursuant to MCL 15.268 sub E the that we recess into closed session to consult with the city attorney in connection with the following specific pending litigation. An open meeting will have a deferential financial effect on the litigation of settlement position of the City of Lansing concerning these cases. This is City of Lansing et al. versus Purdue Pharma et al. Please call the roll. Council Oh, and I would like to include in that closed session the finance director, the deputy city attorney, and the deputy mayor. Okay. Yes? I had asked that we add the lawsuit that the city filed. Yeah, that's, on the second. that's on the second that's one. one. Yeah. Okay. We're doing two motions. Okay. Go ahead. On the first motion for closed session, Council Member Spadafore? Yes. Council Member Spitzley? Yes. Council Member Brown? Yes. Council Member Jackson? Yes. Council Member Cost? Yes. Council Member Wood? Yes. Motion carries 6 0 for the first closed session. Okay. Anyone else on this one? Okay. No. 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 Okay. Uh, Madam President, pursuant to MCL 15.268 sub E, I hereby move that we recess into a second closed session to consult with the city attorney in connection with the following specific pending litigation. As an open meeting, will have a detrimental financial effect on the litigating or settlement position of the city of Lansing concerning these cases. Atkinson et al. v. City of Lansing et al. Charter Township of Lansing v. City of Lansing et al. City of Lansing v. OCOF Nonprofit Housing Corp. City of Lansing et al. v. Purdue Pharma et al. City of Lansing v. Holmes Apartment, Simtob Management and Investment, Good Life Apartments, Richard Simtob and Bradley Simtob, DePreckle v. City of Lansing et al., Freeman v. City of Lansing, Hardy Gregory v. City of Lansing et al., Hulan v. City of Lansing et al., Isaiah v. City v. Lansing Police Department, Kurami v. City of Lansing et al., Legacy 5 LLC v. City of Lansing, Lynn v. City of Lansing, Phillips v. City of Lansing et al., Stewart v. City of Lansing et al., Taft v. City of Lansing et al., United States of America and Coleman v. City of Lansing, J L J E Jolly Cedar LLC v. City of Lansing, and Robinson Memorial Church of God in Christ v. City of Lansing. Please call the roll. Councilmember Spadafore? Yes. Councilmember Spitzley? Yes. Councilmember Brown? Yes. Councilmember Jackson? 
Council Member Cost? Yes. Council Member Wood? Yes. Motion carries 6-0 to go into close, the second closed session. So um, for the audiences here, we are going into closed session. Uh, we have two separate closed sessions. Once the first one's done, we will automatically go into the second one. We will not come back out here, but we'll go uh, um, in the back in our conference room. Uh, we expect probably a half hour. So thank you for being patient with us. All right, uh, we are back in session and at 7.37 p.m. the Committee of the Whole of the City Council of City of Lansing is adjourned. The City Council will resume in five minutes at 7.42-ish. See you all then. <laughs>